Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where as usual you'll find the two of us arranged around the desk of Insight to deliver you 20 minutes or so of our thoughts. Uh, we'll be looking at important matters of the moment in and around the hotel and accommodation spaces. Uh, my name is Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined as usual by Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, to chew the cud. And we're starting by taking a look at the, some of the buildings with beds markets allied to hotels um, and some well, significant shifts going on in one or two of them um, and many of these shifts are a consequence of changing regulation and changing uh, debt costs um, as consumers uh, kind of also react to the uh, more, more inflationary environment we find ourselves in. So one particular uh, area which is looking quite interesting in terms of shifts is uh, the, the uh, rental market in the UK, the, the residential rental market. Here's a marketplace where very often it was in the in the last decade, the place where where small time investors would would head into it, perhaps buy one, another spare house to rent out, and then perhaps another, and then perhaps another. Um, many of these smaller investors are now dropping out of the market due to a combination of uh, tax breaks falling away, but more importantly, um, and more recently, the fact that uh, funding and financing the mortgages for those additional properties has suddenly got a lot higher. Now, the other consequence of, of that switch in the market is that the UK house builders who usually build and sell to the private uh, sector are finding they're going tougher, and more and more of them are some quietly and some less quietly uh, looking for alternative deals to ship out the, the houses they're used to building when you've not, not any longer got a line around the block of, of private individuals wanting to buy them. And they're doing more and more group deals and selling um, bunches of homes and a blocks of apartments to alternative landlords such as uh, housing associations and more and more to um, the kind of larger institutional organisations looking to get into the long-term uh, residential rental market. So those are some major shifts in, in that area. Um, there's also in, in student accommodation, although there's a market where there there's doesn't seem to be any lack of, of demand and uh, the, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy world where there just seem to be ever more students and they, or perhaps more rightly their parents, are always prepared to pay the uh, rental for a nice, uh, comfy, um, warm, uh, purpose-built student flat for the year. So um, uh, we've, we've been running the rule over the some of the results recently from the student accommodation providers and um, they are all riding high and uh, looking very happy and uh, you know getting themselves occupancies of 98-99% for their accommodation. So the sort of numbers that many a hotelier would be delighted to get anywhere near. Yeah, I, th I think one of the key messages that comes through um, from this is that you can't really look at any one of these um, sectors in isolation. You've got to look at them across um, across the piece, really, because there's such a feed through um, what's going on in, say, the student market feeds into what's going on in the residential market whether that's rental or the for sale residential market and in turn that feeds through to short-term rentals um, which includes hotels but of course includes um, airbnb and so on um, and it's just increasingly one sort of 
um, sort of great blend across all of this um, where one sector stops and where an another starts is is more and more difficult to discern so I, I think I, I, I really would hesitate um, if you were interested in getting into this sector from an investment or an operations perspective just uh, look at it in isolation you've got to consider what's going on across um, all of the different sectors um, part of the reason of course we launched our operational real estate uh, festival which takes place next week um, Tuesday the 26th of September um, but here you know we look at the purpose-built student accommodation market we look at the build to rent uh, we look at elder housing elder living we look at uh, um, hospitality of course and consider the short-term rental environment as well um, but what we want to talk about here I think for me it really brought home um, actually the common causes we have um, as hoteliers as we're speaking as um, you know representatives of the hotel sector here a hotel analyst um, that we have with dare I say the likes of Airbnb that we have with build to rent that we have with the student accommodation providers that we have with the elder living providers that we have even with the house builders um, the thing is with all of these people they you know it is um, a question of regulation um, both too much of it and at the same time too little of it um, in terms of too much of it that is planning um, and the sheer failure of the planning system to be able to deliver sufficient quantities of um, what people need so we've got these ridiculous shortages of uh, student accommodation we've got ridiculous shortages of rental uh, residential rental accommodation um, we've got problems in terms of short lets um, it, it's just creating a, a very difficult environment for everybody the consumer the investor um, and and indeed the people working um, to service these industries as well so it really does need to get sorted out and um, um, the authorities need to get on top of it uh, I can't say I'm going to be holding my breath um, for them to do this because it is such a mess it's been such a mess for so long um, and we've somehow got to find our way through this now the under regulation bit is also interesting um, because in particular of course it's Airbnb I mean I still think it's an absolute scandal that airbnb is able to list on its platform um, accommodation that doesn't have a smoke alarm and doesn't have any sort of uh, electrical safety certificate i mean it shouldn't be allowed uh, it's just bizarre how that's um happened um now regulation is coming to airbnb but sadly it's not because of this the shortfall in in this these critical areas of life safety we could also mention tax we could also mention planning where short-term rentals are regularly uh, uh falling short of uh, what they ought to be doing um but actually you know why the regulators are coming for it is because of the complete crisis we have in residential rental accommodation right now with this 
absolute ballooning of rents um, shortage of supply it's creating a significant problem for a huge number of people and it's very uncomfortable for everybody um, and but the problem is short-term rentals are actually being blamed for this um, alongside that we're going to be seeing uh, hotels get blamed for this um, and that tourism in general is going to be blamed for creating the problems in this uh, you know absolutely dysfunctional um, residential in particular residential rental market um, so let's look at specific um, example here what's going on in New York City so they've really cracked down now for a long while there's been talks of crackdown and there's been a succession of different restrictions and laws but what hasn't been happening is they've not been really very effectively enforced it looks like this is being enforced now in New York City there's a new law came in local law 18 uh, came into force on the 5th of September and it effectively outlawed renting out a private flat or home um, unless you had uh, uh, a, a properly registered property um, and short-term rentals were only going to be allowed where the host is present and also registered and there were five thousand dollar fines oh there are five thousand dollar fines uh, for repeat offenders and uh, a somewhat paltry i'd suggest 1500 fine for the platforms that facilitate illegal rentals um, now the month before this law came into force in New York City, there are about 40,000 listings, according to Inside Airbnb, which is a sort of lobby group organised a campaign against uh, um, Airbnb. Um, the week following the introduction of the law, the listings on Airbnb dropped down to 7,000. Clearly a very big impact um, you know about time many of our listeners will be thinking you know as I did initially well you know good we need to see this the problem is that this is now going to come to um, the hotel sector um, and city authorities you know at the moment are targeting short-term rentals um, um, as defined by sort of airbnb type properties but they will also come for hotels and hotels will be seen as part of the reason there's a shortage of uh, residential rental accommodation which is absurd um, but unfortunately that's what's coming so be careful what you wish for we are seeing um, a big transformation at the moment what's going on in tourism accommodation in residential accommodation and actually i think the the lobbying action that needs to happen here is that we we line up shoulder to shoulder much as it might hurt us with the likes of airbnb and say look stop this nonsensical approach and have a more grown-up approach to doing this and maybe um mr local authority if you hadn't been so completely useless in terms of your planning regime Regime, and it actually allowed enough property to be built you wouldn't be in this this problem in the first place don't you know you've created this mess don't put it all down on us what's going on in china as much as we know um and uh prompted by you know some some recent goings on 
um, in the sector, not least uh, some of the very large developers uh, announcing they've got all sorts of financial problems, finally admitting perhaps that they've also <laughs> already got lots and lots of financial problems. Um, but first off, let's think about uh, the demand side. Um, you know, the, the country is very slow to uh, come out of the pandemic and lockdowns, but um, business has built back up there and uh, we've got a bit of a, uh, a view on that from uh, recent results from uh, the company called H-World, Wazoo as it used to be, they obviously they run a massive slew of uh, budget uh, and lower mid-market hotels all the way across China, um, continuing to expand at uh, breakneck speed uh, and you know their numbers have come back quite well, they're back in a decent profit but um, the market uh, brokers were again slightly spooked by the fact that they hinted that uh, the second half of this year they expect to be a little bit flatter. Now um, H-World's fine because they operate as largely a franchised and man managed um, estate uh, so not owning any of their own properties uh, but it's, um, it's, the, the, it's, where it's the ownership of hotels in China that's where the problems begin and um, these many large, two or three large have, have recently announced they've got financial issues are by and large uh, very large in residential development in China but um, the problem comes where they are also perhaps partnering to develop hotels um, at scale in China through the the details of some of these and they are linked with um, with Hilton uh, they're linked with um, uh, Accor and so you know the quite there's a big question mark now over whether these groups can keep going and uh, if they can't then how are they going to be sliced and diced or how will they cut back and um, it's certainly there's certainly going to be a worry over whether they can continue developing hotels for foreign partners or foreign brands uh, if they've effectively run out of money. Mm. I, it's interesting. I agree with you, Chris, in terms of the underlying economics of those uh, development partners for the Western brands. Um, I think actually the hotels bit is the bit that is working mm. for them at the moment. So they'll keep that going for as long as they can. I mean, China has the opposite problem we were just talking about in terms of residential. They've got far too much residential property, much <laughs> a, a large proportion of it empty. They can't sell it and they can't fill it. Um, and this is a uh, a, a big issue for them um what they're going to do there but uh in actual fact it might be a uh, opportunity uh for the hotels because you've got vacant uh residential property well why not reuse it as hotels that's a a, a significant possibility it's also uh, a reminder i think that uh you know when we talk about uh, a country like china um that it doesn't necessarily follow that if its uh, growth is declining or its growth rate is declining i should say um it doesn't necessarily follow that that the the tourism sector the hotel sector is going to suffer a similar fate and there isn't this um straight correlation between those two things um and it's you know if we look at china now the first point i'd make is actually that it's still growing at a well as far again as you mentioned as far mm. as we can tell from the official data but it you know it, it is growing um almost certainly and growing at a you know a half decent rate nowhere near what it was but not bad and it's still very capable of sustaining some quite impressive rates of growth in terms of the that 
hotel sector um and i think if you know if there are more opportunities coming the way of um these developers in terms of they're going to have to switch out of some of the residential piece you know it might if anything actually speed up the 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 rollout of the uh hospitality sector in china and certainly china needs to make a switch from its sort of export driven surplus economy it's had and it needs to if it's to sustain um it needs to uh, grow its consumption uh, domestic consumption uh significantly and i would suggest that travel and tourism is a very good way to kick start a bit of that um and so i think i think you know it, it could well be the case although china is sort of coming off as it were in terms of its overall growth um it might be that it's still uh, you know a very healthy place to be from a from a hotel company perspective i mean the the big overarching issue of course is the geopolitics of that and uh, you know there are better places to go and better people to listen to than us on on that wider geopolitics but it, it's certainly worth mentioning that um you know the, the discount that you you should put on Chinese uh, your Chinese operations ought to be rather more than they were say five or ten years ago given that the geopolitical situation is certainly looking uh, significantly more risky um, that said you know um, China is clearly a massive outbound market still it's come back to being the world's biggest outbound market um, if you're in the travel and tourism game you can't uh, afford really not to be in china um just be you know i it's probably not looking quite such a pot of gold it was say 10 20 years ago now as uh, we've kind of got to the point where the graph started to flatten off uh, we are looking more and more like it we should be seeing the, the next few months the near future as uh, much more back to normal and back to normal we've most of us have forgotten what that was like because that was probably uh, that where the grass went in 2018 but the uh, one of the key points is that of course uh, leisure demand is expected to be seasonally dropping off after the uh, summer period and uh, the big question for people in the hotel sector now is uh, are we just going to have to put up with that and um, or are there other things coming forward such as a continued return of uh, business travel perhaps to offset the uh, dampening of leisure demand and as that leisure demand goes down how is it going to change over the next few months well we've been scouting around taking some soundings from a variety of reports including a survey a forecast from Expedia on where they see things moving um, and also uh, perhaps uh, another another report on what, what they believe is going to happen in the UK from uh, from RSM so uh, the general feeling is well yeah it's 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 pretty normal in that leisure demand is going to drop off you know the kids are back in school those doing leisure travel will now be the uh, the dinkies double income no kids um, and uh, so you know rates should be expecting to to soften um, the question then is you know uh, are hotels well placed have they managed to get their costs under control such that uh, they haven't just been surviving from a busy summer but actually have been working out how to survive as it gets a bit quieter through the autumn and and winter uh, but make make no mis make no mistake the, uh, the the business travel is still uh, looking like it's going to carry on growing over the coming months and um, yeah, I think if you're a hotel in Germany you'd probably be quite pleased by the fact that the uh, trade fair diary for next year is starting to look much more like it did 
prior to the pandemic so um, by and large good news but hey uh, if you've just been getting by on that uh, heady summer business then you may have some cash flow issues in the coming months mm, so um, we headlined this piece return to normalcy um, which of course um, I think it was Joe Biden wasn't that coined <laughs> the term after the four tempestuous years of Donald Trump um, I don't think it's particularly Joe Biden we have to thank for normalcy breaking out in the hotel business but more just the end of uh, the the lockdown nonsense we went through um, during Covid um, and you know I think overall if we look back at that uh, period we've come out of it in a very sharp v-shape now at hotel analyst I think we can say look we call this one broadly right we are on the bullish end of the spectrum um, and you know our optimism um, has you know it's certainly been better than the majority of people were anticipating I mean if we'd have said look you're going to have business travel um, certainly in Europe and probably no, much in North America back to where it was uh, pre-pandemic by the end of this year that had gone you, you know you're you're barking mad um, but here we are we're, we're just about there with that still to come back a little bit of groups but leisure is stronger than it was uh, pre-pandemic um, and just to be clear I think um, what you're saying Chris in terms of that leisure slowdown there's not a suggestion that it's going to dip mm -hmm. down it's just the growth rate is slowing and that's a very different thing I don't think people are actually anticipating leisure trade to be down um, they're anticipating it not to be rising anywhere near as it mm. much as it has been and I think that's an important distinction so that's the normalcy we've got coming back is that it's you know we're seeing a few percent growth rather than the you know the manic um, Lift off that we have had in the last couple of years. Um, just to sort of put some data within this, I think um, it was an interesting what Melia Hotel said. They launched their Melia Pro channel, which is focused on businesses, uh, tour operators, and mice. Um, they said this grew 67% in 22, and they said that they expect it to be. Uh, fully back a full return by the end of 2023 is what they're anticipating um, um so that's you know this is for business travel so that's you know that's quite an incredible um, uh, um achievement i'd suggest um so you know once we get groups back still a little bit of tailwind with groups a little bit of tailwind still with business travel i think there's still some to come there um but but certainly i think the error has been underestimating the strength of this return in demand now um moving on to that um moving on from this rather um i i, I think we what we want to look at look at and uh, um, discuss is what this means in terms of the overall picture for for travel and tourism and i think you know we've kind of had this sort of cyclical impact if you can call covid cyclical but this sort of one-off impact that we've recovered from but i think there's also an underlying secular trend here um, which is adding to the um the the steam of the recovery which is this shift towards experiences away from stuff um, um and we've seen this that um, despite all of the talk about uh you know um, cost of living crises and all of this kind of stuff we've we've 
just blasted straight through that and it's been remarkably strong in terms of the performance and that i think has been really aided by um, this long-term trend uh, of growth in our sector um, so yeah we are going to have cyclical downturns but we will be able to carry on drawing a straight line which goes up um, if you you know the the line's going to squiggle around that straight line but if you look at the trend line it's going to be going straight up and straight up at a decent now we're coming clip. to our five star and no star awards uh, for this week and uh, first off we're going pessimistic of hotels against short-term lets. We've just had a uh, survey completed by the the consumer advocates at uh, which uh, they've done a comparison of uh, um, a, a short-term rental versus a hotel room if you're going to go and stay in a variety of uh, global cities or leisure destinations around the world. I think they surveyed over 50 and they found that um, probably in uh, well in a majority of them you're actually better off uh, getting a hotel room which was cheaper than a, uh, a, a rental apartment on uh, Airbnb or Verbo. Um, uh, so here's to hotels b continue to be great value. It's quite a price difference as well actually you'll you're knocking on you know a good third cheaper it's not just you know five percent or something it's uh, uh it, it's quite quite a difference at the top end of the table admittedly there were a, a few places um where it was still cheaper to buy a uh, or rent a uh, one bedroom place um so Seville and Avignon and places like that but in the big cities Amsterdam's the Singapore's the greater London's the Dubai's definitely cheaper to get that Hooray. hotel room and now uh, no stars are going to uh, hotels in Hong Kong which are well out of favour um, we're seeing into alternative uses um, and student accommodation I think is the uh, is the favourite for the the switch at the moment yeah, and this just reinforces the point we made at the start of this uh, podcast in our first item. You can't separate out these different uh, industry sectors. Um, what goes on in one um, has a big impact in other sectors. And uh, here we've seen a meltdown in the Hong Kong hotel world, um, but ongoing strength in the uh, student accommodation market. This study looked at... Um, hotel rooms being converted to other uses and 61% of them since the start of COVID 61% um, of hotel rooms undergoing conversion to other use have turn to student accommodation um, so it's clear you know strength in one sector is going to impact demand in another in terms of their their use um, you can't get away from that and unfortunately in Hong Kong it's it does seem to be the case that uh, less tourists and on that salutary note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs> 